Welcome to Post Break. My name is Chris Peterson, Board Secretary of the Post New York Alliance. This is our bi-weekly discussion of all the forces continuing to reshape our industry right now. And today's topic, super interesting one, kind of something we haven't touched on yet in the course of doing these, it's building mental resilience in the age of COVID. And now to introduce our moderator, she's an editor and PNYA member, Isabel Siderni. Um, <laughs> so first off, thanks so much everyone who's joining us on the panel here. We hope you're well and we're really glad you're here. Um, if this is your first visit to Post New York Alliance, you can find out more about the mission, the work we're doing to support the New York-based companies and individuals who continue to make Post New York Alliance an, an essential network within the New York film industry and really the engine that creates and safeguards the post-production tax incentive. That, of course, motivates projects to come and work with New York artists. So find out more at postnewyork.org. Um, a quick reminder that this panel is for educational purposes only and no part of this discussion should be considered medical advice. If you believe you need a, uh, a mental health professional or uh, professional advice, please seek the guidance of a professional and we'll be offering resources to where you can find that later. Um, just briefly, I wanted to just offer a tiny, tiny bit of, of background about myself. Why would I moderate a panel like this? Um, I was raised by a doctor father and a mother nurse who ran a community healthcare clinic in the jungles of Veracruz, Mexico before they moved the clinic to Mexico City. And shortly thereafter, my mother began a, lot, a lifelong commitment to community mental health, first working for the city and county of San Francisco as the director of geriatric mental health um, and later overseeing psychiatric counseling for hospice of Marin. So I kind of was like, I ate this for breakfast and every morning. It was something that I just grew up with and I feel really comfortable um, talking about it. Um, I've also practiced Zen meditation since I was a kid. It was also something that was very much a part of growing up in Northern California. Um, and I really believe in the merits of quieting the mind. So we're gonna get into details about how you can do that. Um, so let's dive right in uh, to understand more about some tools and resources that can help us build and maintain mental resilience. Um, I'm gonna introduce the three guests. I think we'll give each person about 15 or 20 minutes and then we'll move on to the Q&A period. So if when we're talking, if you if something comes up and you're like, oh, I want to hear more about that, just pop it into the chat. Um, Chris is going to call all of the questions and then we'll get to them kind of at the end of the hour. We'll do our, we'll do our best to answer all, answer all of them. Um, so let's start with Lillian. Uh, Lillian Galena is a licensed clinical social worker and supervises the mental health program in the Eastern region at the Actors Fund. The Actors Fund, and Lillian, you'll fill this out. I'm just gonna give a really brief overview of the Actors Fund, but I wanted to let people know kind of the breadth of it. Um, the Actors Fund is a human services organization serving all professionals in arts and entertainment. Uh, Lillian oversees the Entertainment Assistance Program, which provides emergency financial assistance, clinical case management, and mental health services to entertainment professionals. So that includes not just actors, but um, everybody in post-production, just so I just wanna be clear. Um, in addition to her work with individuals, she has developed and led a variety of workshops and trainings on such topics as responding to sexual harassment, addressing workplace dynamics, 
managing anxiety and depression and identifying and responding to substance abuse. Lillian holds a master's of social work from Hunter College and a bachelor of science in creative arts therapy from the new school. So the Actors Fund is an organization established in 1882, which I didn't know, which is amazing and so, so cool about New York. It was created to meet the needs of our entertainment community. Um, and those needs are, I'm sure Lillian will go into this, but I feel like the mental health needs are very connected to the financial support needs or connected to the subs, you know, it's like all connected. But um, so, you know, the Actors Fund has a team of licensed clinicians available to help industry professionals and their families deal with and provide ongoing support services for multiple issues. So um, I'll wait until uh, we talk through the through what Lillian is kind of here to talk about, and then I'll introduce you, Debbie, and then we'll get, okay. Um, I'm gonna just pop the link to the Actors Fund in the chat room, but Lillian, um, we've all felt such a disruption in our lives from this global pandemic, economically, socially, it's destabilized our connections to, to ourselves, to others, to our work. Um, I want to talk to you about how we can help ourselves and the people we care for. Um, as the person who oversees the mental health program for the Actors Fund East, you mentioned that there's been an increase in requests for mental health counseling. What's been a common experience of uh, some people seeking mental health support in the last few months? What can we, I mean, I'm just assuming we're gonna relate to whatever you're gonna say, but. <laughs> I, think, I think certainly, um, you know, we've, we've, we've seen an increase. We always get quite, you know, quite a few requests for how to find mental health supports and what that looks like. Um, you know, even if you've sought out and um, had mental health supports in the past, it doesn't mean that you kind of know where to start. It's, it's such an interesting, um, you know, kind of process to get the right fit um, or to even know what supports you need. So we just get a lot of people wanting some, some help with that. And that's what we do. Um, what I think, what a lot of people are feeling that we've seen come across our plate um, and that it can be hard to even really verbalize is that so much of our daily life, we had built in different things that helped us cope and helped us regulate our emotions. Um, and there has been a lot of those just regular day-to-day -day coping skills and activities and mechanisms that just have stopped because our lifestyle has stopped um, mm. and changed in so many ways. Um, and so it's even hard to, to even recognize, hey, I didn't realize that you know, every day after work, stopping at that pet shop and playing with the puppies for 10 minutes on Fridays, I didn't realize that that was having such, you know, a, a positive impact, right, in regulating my emotional state or keeping me sane. Um, and so puppies much- Puppies are good medicine. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so when our regular routines and lives are disrupted so dramatically, like most people's has been, uh, it can be really, really, um, you know, disjointing to figure out, hey, why am I feeling, you know, I'm okay, I'm healthy, or et cetera, et cetera. Why am I feeling, you know, this way, so dysregulated? Um, and so really, you know, really honoring the fact that there's so many different ways that we set up our lives that help us, that support us, that keep us resilient. Uh, and we might have lost quite a bit of those. Um, just naturally through the change um, that we've all experienced. Mm. 
What does mental health support look like? Um, can, can, you, can you walk us through how an individual might go through an evaluation and get support for their Absolutely. specific Absolutely. Um, first, I think mental health is not just sitting in a room or sitting over Zoom with a licensed therapist. Um, that's one way to get mental health support. Um, and I think it's a great way, me being one of those people. <laughs> um, I think it's a wonderful way to get that support. Um, but your mental health and taking care of yourself and being well, there's so many different ways to achieve that. Um, you know, individual therapy is a really Western culture, Eurocentric approach to addressing your mental health. I think it's a worthy one, um, but there's so many different ways. There's support through community, there's your own inner work, there's family support. Um, there's so many different ways, religious supports, there's so many different ways to think about um, taking care of yourself and providing joy and pleasure in your life to balance out all the negative things that are happening. Saying that, um, therapists are awesome and <laughs> group therapy is awesome. Um, and if you are interested, there's really so many different ways to get connected. Um, at the Actors Fund, you can just call us. That's probably the easiest way for the people in this Zoom meeting. Um, you can call the Actors Fund. Um, someone on my social work team is happy to talk to you to figure out, hey, what you might need, what that looks like, um, how are you gonna pay for it? Do you have to pay for it? Who's a good fit for you? Um, that type of thing. So we're happy to do that um, for you at the Actors Fund. And um, I, you know, we, you and I talked about um, some some resources that are free. So I want to make sure we include those kind of before we come to the end of your section, just so people know that. You know, I just I was just uh, watching a friend's film, which is all about nursing, and. It's, it's really difficult sometimes when people don't have insurance or lost their insurance. And I just wanna make sure people know that, they, that there's support with or without you know, insurance. I just think that's important for people to know. You know? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, anyway. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Number one, if you're concerned about health insurance, we have incredible health insurance experts and navigators at the Actors Fund. Um, that you can talk to and figure that out. As a lot of people in the entertainment industry, their insurance is shifting and changing and that can absolutely be a stressor. And we wanna make sure that everybody knows their options and get signed up for anything they're eligible for. Um, but the Actors Fund, we do provide free confidential supportive counseling for those in need that are seeking that support. Um, so our model is short term and we're happy to help you. Um, so there's, not necessarily a cost prohibitive in the short term if you're looking for support at the Actors Fund. Um, we're, we're here for you in that regard. And we also have a great many different virtual groups that are happening now. Um, there's weekly or daily meditation now, there's support groups, um, all kinds of, of different supports happening at the Actors Fund that you can sign up for. Um, different career supports, financial wellness programs. Um, so there's a lot of different educational elements as well, uh, but there's some great um, sub community supportive counseling built in. Um, that we, so I'm assuming people, can, people can go to the website and find that schedule and then sign up to join if they wanna join a, like a group 
Yeah, and the, probably the best way to find about groups that are starting is to just sign up for the newsletter. So you'll get that information right when new groups are starting. So you can go on actorsfund.org and sign up for the newsletter, and then you might see some different groups that you're interested in. And reaching out to the Actors Fund, maybe you're curious about getting connected with some mental health support, you have some more time on your hands. Um, now is the time you can just give and take a call and you don't have to commit to anything. Talking to a social worker um, and figuring out where you are if you're having a hard time or need some support or resources. You're not committing to us, we're just happy to talk. Um, so don't hesitate to reach out. Um, and sometimes know, it's, sometimes it, yeah, sometimes it's helpful. I mean, it, it, it doesn't have to, I mean, sometimes it is like, I feel really depressed and I don't know how to get out of this. Um, or sometimes it's like, I can't figure out how I'm going to pay for everything. And I'm just in like a spin cycle in my head. And I need to talk to somebody about that. And that might start, you know, in one place and then go into a referral to a financial strategy session with somebody else, you know? So I, I, I think that there's so much that's going on on so many levels right now that it can trigger trauma on like, I'm just so in so many different areas that I want to remind people that it's, I mean, emotional re responses can um, be connected to a lot of different things that are going on in our lives. And just kind of at the root, it's really helpful to remember that you're not alone. And that reaching out for help is like a really healthy choice. It's a, it's an act of self care. And it's a, it's a way to be kind to yourself. Um, so I guess, um, how might someone know if they qualify or could benefit from accessing a mental health professional? What are some of the specific specializations and programs that you have? I mean, you've mentioned a few of them, but maybe you can. Yeah, I think it's different for everyone, you know, in terms of like, hey, when is the day that I, you know, decide that it might be cool to, <laughs> might be helpful to, you know, reach out um, and look for some specific mental health supports. I don't think that there's a wrong time. I don't think that, you know, it's, you're, you're going to call us and talk to a social worker and we're going to be like, oh, no, you're cool. You definitely, you don't, no you don't need to talk to anybody. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> And it's, it's more about, you know, if you're, um, you know, if you, you're curious about it. Um, and again, you don't have to commit to the Actors Fund by giving us a call. We do have people that work specifically um, around case management and resource support for people that are suffering from a disability or an illness. Um, also people that are struggling with substance use or abuse. We have some incredible social workers that can help figure out next steps um, to wellness for you in that case. Um, and we do have a specific um, program that works with people that are diagnosed living with HIV and AIDS and sp specific social workers and resources um, for them as well. But I don't think there's a wrong time to reach out for mental health support. Um, right. You can always get something out of it. I think signs to look for if you're unsure, um, you know, if you notice that just kind of your, your um, function, what we would call functionality, like you're just not functioning, um, maybe as high as you were, it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. Um, it just means that it might be helpful to have a platform, um, you know, to kind of talk that out and work that through um, and see if you need any additional supports. That's oftentimes what we look for. Hey, have you, you know, noticed that you're just not able to, you know, kind of do as much 
um, during the day? Um, do you notice that you're a little bit more emotional or tearful um, than maybe you have been in the past? And these are all things that happen to all of us, um, but sometimes we're not sure if that means, hey, could we benefit from you know, adding some supports? And I would say, yes, you would benefit from adding some supports, um, especially during these times. I think it's important to know that what we're experiencing, you're not just out of work. You're not just homeschooling your kids. <laughs> You're that's not a just anymore because it's out of work during a global pandemic. Mm -hmm. uh, it's home with your kids during a global pandemic. We can't leave off that end part of the sentence. <laughs> yeah. um, I think it can be easy too because we're all living, we're all trying to adjust. Um, but we have to be able to normalize this situation on a larger scale, um, especially if you happen to be a doer or someone who's really, you know, engaged, uh, we might tend to take on more responsibility and ownership um, than we really should in, these, in this situation, because this is a different situation. Mm, that's really helpful. Yeah, I know a friend kind of phrases things as like pre-COVID and post-COVID and that's because it's, it's, it's accelerated certain innovations, but it's also intensified um, certain senses of being vulnerable or isolated. And it's, yeah, it's, it's been really intense. You shared um, a specific exercise with me that just seemed so simple and so helpful. Could you, could you share the, um, the exercise that one of the exercises that you offer, which is um, one of the many helpful tools, but it's called planned pleasant activities or scheduling yeah. joy was, mm -hmm. talk us through that. That seemed really sure. It goes back to that idea of our routines and our lives have been so drastically disrupted. Those moments in front of that pet store or, you know, that tree in that park or that, you know, lunch break with friends, um, that we had built into our lives to help regulate us um, has really shifted. And we, we might have to make more of an effort to self-regulate our emotional state um, when those things have been changed or we don't have access to them, or maybe we didn't even realize what, you know, what we were using to support ourselves. Um, and so it's the idea that we can't just be passive with experiencing joy and pleasure. We have to really be active about it um, and put it on our to-do list like we have, like we put all of those other things on our to-do list. I love um, that. I think and, that's so important. It's, it's, it's almost like a foreign concept to actually like schedule being joyful. <laughs> but it's kind of, because we're all, I mean, I think a lot of New Yorkers, because it's so competitive, have to be very regimented about how you manage your time. And it's, it's, I don't know if it's like the Protestant work ethic that we've all been cultured by in America that's so kind of hard on us all, but um, it seems indulgent to, or kind of hedonistic in a way to, um, to schedule something that just like feels really good every day. But yeah. I just think it's, I, I, I it, I think it's just, a, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful concept. So give us some examples of how we sure. could do that. It, it's, 
you're absolutely right. I give this homework to many people and they're like, what? You can't make me do this. This is the, this is the one thing they don't do. <laughs> um, so the idea of being more active with bringing pleasure and joy to your life is to kind of flip. Usually we save things till the end of the day. I'll get to do that crossword puzzle when I've done X, Y, and Z. I'll get to do that bubble bath. I'll get to, I'll listen to music on the weekend. Um, you know, things like that. And then those things never come because we keep adding things to our to do, or we just validate the things that we've accomplished as if they're not enough. And we see that a lot in the entertainment industry, because the whole industry is set up to reward this concept of doing and the doers, um, mm -hmm. and what you've done that day. Um, so it is really flipping it over. And then you can say, okay, well, how do I do that? Um, first, you have to make it so that it doesn't feel undoable, like, oh, well, I can't schedule a three hour hike tomorrow, even though I love hiking, right? That's just not doable. We really have to bring it in throughout our day. Think about that stopping at the pet store for five minutes. Think about, you know, all of those little things and how we bring that. Um, so a great exercise, everybody right now, if they can just close their eyes or if they have a pen, they can write it down. I'm going to give you like 10 seconds to write down anything that brings you pleasure or joy, a color, a feeling, a smell, an object, an activity, um, anything at all. Come up with as many things as you can. There's no wrong answers. Um, you, it can be absolutely um, anything, mm -hmm. object, color, feeling, smell, any of the senses, books, arts, um, and just jot down anything from you know the smell of fresh laundry to kitten youtube videos i'm giving all of mine away obviously but <laughs> take a couple more seconds push yourself to think all those different aspects of our lives that put a smile on our face or brighten up something inside of ourselves you can take that moment now you have that list, you can keep writing. I usually give people a lot longer to do that. Um, absolutely, Chris, type in some things you came up with. Now you can take that list and you can think about what are some little things that I can do to incorporate that um, you know, into my life. Hey, I love Aretha Franklin. When was the last time you just took five minutes to put on Aretha Franklin song, put on your headphones, breathe through it and just let her voice sweep over you? Um, and that's something that you can do every day. You don't have to save Aretha for a special occasion. <laughs> um, and that goes for all of those things that you've written down. How do you take those moments or those things that bring you joy and incorporate them throughout the day, actually prioritize them, make them on your to-do list because this is the way to regulate your emotional state. Uh, we cannot rely on life to spontaneously provide us with enough joy and pleasure to balance out our existence, especially when most of our existence may be taking place inside our apartments and our homes. <laughs> we need to have, we need to be active about it. Um, and so how do we dance every day? How do we read a poem? How do we do that? Most, of, most things on your list, you can find a way for them to take under five minutes doesn't cost you anything um, all of those things so we can find you know find a way to do that 
Um, I had one person in a course of mine that said, oh, I love looking up at all of the Art Deco buildings in Manhattan. And I always look up and it brings me so much joy. Um, and so they decided during quarantine that they um, would spend a few minutes looking at their Art Deco coffee table book um, as a way with their tea to really have those moments. So that's my task for you is to try to really um, prioritize those. And if you're feeling like, hey, I shouldn't do this until that, um, I'm going to remind you that I'm licensed and I've told you you're allowed to do it. So <laughs> I'm now going to be chasing some chipmunks because Becca just gave me a great idea. I like that. Um, that's so wonderful. I hope everybody was able to come up with a few ideas of what they could do to give themselves like five or 10 minutes of joy every day. I'm, I'm, I'm scheduling a serious dance session to, to like some funk music that I have on hand. So that's going to be fun later today. Um, I'm going to introduce now Debbie. Thank you, Lillian, so much. We're all going to come back to questions, I'm sure, at the end. But I'm going to introduce Debbie uh, Germino, who is a film and television editor. And Debbie, are you in uh, New York and Los Angeles? Or are you mainly in Los Angeles right now? Uh, I'm just in Los Angeles. Okay, so, so you're based in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, Debbie's a film and television editor whose television credits include Fargo and Genius, um, shows I'm sure we've all seen. She's an endurance athlete and the author of the Happiness in Training publication, which you can find on Medium, which is a website. Is that, that's right. That, that went through, yeah. And she studied mindfulness for the past 10 years and believes happiness is a practice that can be strengthened with training. Um, like everything, it takes discipline. So um, uh, you have devised several science-based strategies to engage with throughout the day. Um, to deliver a deep sense of happiness and groundedness. And these are strategies that you practice yourself every day that you've worked with. And so you're kind of living proof that it makes a big difference. Um, these are simple methods that can reinforce calm, balanced energy and productivity and focus throughout the day. And you've outlined five different categories that they apply to breathing, meditation, nutrition, sleep, and movement. Um, can you offer some of the specific methods that you use in each category and the reasoning behind why they help? Yeah, of course. Um, first, I just um, just wanna say thank you to Lillian for giving me a to-do list that I actually wanna do now. Yeah. I, I love that. <laughs> That's so exciting, such a novel idea. Um, um, so yeah, so thank you for that, Isabel. Um, so yeah, I have, I guess I would talk about it. Um, I kind of talk about it thinking about it in uh, routines over, or sorry, practices over routines. So in these times of transitions and which, you know, us as, as editors and being in the entertainment industry, a lot of us are freelance workers. We work project to project. And so we're used to uh, a lot of uncertainty and, and our routines getting disrupted every you know, three to nine months when we're switching jobs. Um, and so for me, starting that, when I started working in this industry, that was very unsettling to me. Mm -hmm. um, and I, 
it really, it really threw me for a loop every time I had to find more work or, you know, I, I, be working really hard and you work long hours and and then uh, you know you promise yourself that you're gonna you're gonna enjoy life when you when you finish this job and you're on hiatus and and then you get um, all you all you do is spend your hiatus stressed and wondering when you're gonna get the next job. Um, so for me, I had to really think about practices over routines. And when I say practices, I mean um, practices have flexibility to them. They are something that we do. They don't depend on time or place or location. They just, you know, we just do them whenever. And so um, I really think about these practices as, as making us resilient, you know, because we only get good at what we practice or we get, we, we uh, get good at the things we practice, right? right. So if we're, if we practice, um, being anxious every day and worrying every day. Well, we're just going to get better at that. Really good at that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, which I've been there, <laughs> trust <Yeah>. me. <laughs> um, so for me, I, I, yeah, I've, I've looked at these kind of just, these are basic needs, you know, that I'm talking about really, um, breathing, Mm -hmm. um, the thing with breathing a, a lot of times, especially when we're stressed and we're anxious or also, um, sitting for long periods of time, not moving enough that encourages, uh, shallow breathing, um, and shallow breathing sends a signal to our brain that, that something's wrong, that and it produces more cortisol. And so it, it makes us more anxious. So, um, one of the things we can just practice on a, on a daily basis, I like to call it the, the mindful minute, um, and just take a minute out during the day. You could even set a reminder on your phone throughout the day for it to go off and you just take a minute um, to practice breathing, deep breathing. Um, and you really, you, you know, you just sit and, and you can take a deep breath in. You can even count, you can, you know, count to five. Take us, walk, just walk us through one of those, maybe okay. count or something, just so we can all practice right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I kind of, I like to start just sort of um, noticing our breath, uh, how it is without any, without, you know, without changing it at all. Just sort of, you can put your hand on your belly or uh, and on your chest and you can just sort of breathe. Don't try to change it or, or or do anything different, just sort of notice it. Right now we're just sort of bringing the awareness to the breath. So you can just do that for, for just a few seconds. And so then, then you can just sort of try to pay more attention to it. And now when you take an inhale, imagine it coming from the from the bottom of your belly and just really really taking a deep inhale and you can just sort of count so we can inhale two three four five and then exhale two three four five and you can just sort of repeat that for a few times and you can just start to notice, notice what happens in your body. How does that feel? It's 
sometimes you'll notice your, um, your shoulders start to relax. And so it's just a way to sort of reset yourself, kind of get back into the moment, get back into the present, get out of your head and more into your body. You know, this is really useful to do when, um, when you're feeling overwhelmed or, you know, just getting into that room, <clears throat> excuse me, um, into that ruminating mind or the negative critic that comes up, especially if we're, you know, if we're editing or doing something creative, a lot of times, you know, that negative critic can really, can really um, come beat us up quite often. So this is helpful to do during those times when you, when you're feeling that. And it's also just helpful to practice regularly. Um, Cause the more you do it, the easier it is to, to kind of get unstuck in those moments. Um, so then the other thing that I like to talk about, so that was breathing. Um, so nutrition, I talk about um, practicing around nutrition. I talk about it as eating mindfully. Um, you know, there's, there's different things, different diets out there. A lot of us with, uh, you know, the, the health and wellness community, there's so many diets and so much information out there about, you know, this diet's the best one, that diet's the best one. Is it paleo, vegan, keto? I mean, there's, it's endless. Um, and unfortunately, all that really does is perpetuate this idea that we're not good enough, that the, the way we eat isn't good enough, that there's something better out there. And the truth is, it's really paying attention to your body. What, what we need is just to tune into our own bodies and, and tune into our own instincts about how our body is reacting to the food we're eating. Um, so some of the benefits of, of eating mindfully are um, it reduces overeating, it reduces emotional eating, stress eating, um, it can reduce your cravings and urges. Um, it teaches you to just tune into the, into your body's needs because there is no one diet for everyone. Um, and there is no diet, one diet that will work for you forever either. You know, one diet might work for you one day and then in a year it changes. Um, when you talk about diets, I almost feel like that's a separate issue than eating mindfully from my understanding of it. Or could you, could you, um, maybe just help help us frame what eating mindfully means. Is it kind of in the same way that you just walked us through a breathing exercise? Is that kind of the mind frame that we want to approach eating? Like I am so guilty of just eating way too fast. It's horrible, but, <laughs> but I, but I, I try to do this and it's just, it's kind of like, I'm just trying to be aware of, that there's food in my mouth. What does it taste like? How does it make me feel? You know, what are all the different spices in it? Just trying to like really allow myself to one, enjoy it and, um, and kind of be present while I'm eating instead of like thinking about something and reading my phone and doing something else while I'm like shoveling food in my mouth, you know? So 
is it, just to, just to open up a little bit more about what you were talking about. I just wanted to kind of let people recognize yes. that it wasn't necessarily about restricting certain foods or diets, you know, but it was kind of bigger than that. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Exactly. Um, it is, it is exactly that it is paying attention to your food. It is um, not having your phone in front of you while you're eating. It is just slowing down, um, paying attention to what it feels like, you know, to be full, Try, trying to tune back into those signals that, that your body is giving you when you're full. It actually takes um, 20 minutes for your brain to get the signal from your stomach that you're full. So if you're eating really fast, you're gonna blow right back, right past that. Um, so, so yeah, it's slowing down. And I know this is a this is a hard thing. This is a this is a hard thing for us, especially in our culture and and the way that we've sort of um, developed this fast-moving culture where you know we're eating on the go. People, you know, people are eating on the street and you know in front of their computers and at their desks. Um, and so this is a hard one to get, <laughs> um, I, you know, I still struggle with it, but where I like to start is just to sort of say, you know, commit to one meal a day where, you know, the first five bites of your meal, you take it really slow and you don't have any distractions and you're not in front of your computer and you're just really tasting your food, you're chewing it, chewing it slowly, put your fork down between bites. You know, that's a, that's an easy, a simple one that, you know, we never do. Um, no, just put, like put your fork down. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's, I, mean, it's I feel like as Americans, it's so hard for us to even sit down, you know? Well, yes. But Yes. And it, it, this, then that, it, you know, that causes its own problems. Um, just not sitting down. I mean, our digestion, we get, we are digest our food much better when we're sitting and we're calm in a calm, relaxed state that actually really um, hinders digestion when you are anxious. Mm -hmm. So being calm and relaxed, you know, even a, a, a useful thing to do would be to sort of take a few deep breaths before you eat your meal. Mm -hmm. um, another thing I like to do is just sort of take a moment before I dig in and just sort of smell the food and just sort of thank it. Like, thank you, thank you, please nourish my body. You know, yeah. just, just a sort of acknowledgement of it. I remember speaking to someone about something similar and they explained that your body actually needs to slow down in order to absorb the nutrients. So in order to break the food down with the ascorbic acid in your stomach, that's one stage, but in order to really absorb the nutrients that nourish your, your body in the digestive tract, you, you, you can't like be walking at the same time because that it almost like counteracts it. Absolutely, yeah. So all to your point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so the, the next thing I like to talk about is movement. So making sure that we're moving throughout the day. Um, it's, you know, it's great to have some sort of exercise routine or training routine. And maybe you, you know, maybe you do that in the morning or after work. But um, a lot of us neglect the fact that maybe we are sitting all day. Um, and that is, you know, 
that is just as bad as, um, as you know, even, even if we didn't exercise in the morning, if we just sat all day, um, it just, it's hard on our body, it's hard on our mind, it uh, reduces our energy, it makes us tired. Um, so one of the things I like to do is just, I, I work in um, time blocks. And so every 48 minutes, I take a 10 minute walk. And I, I have an app on my phone that, um, uh, that alerts me. It's just, it's just, I set it up when I start work and it alerts me every 48 minutes and it gives me 10 minutes and I go for a walk. And just doing that um, on a regular basis, it helps my productivity, um, it helps my energy, it helps my creativity. It just keeps me, it keeps me going throughout the day without needing, you know, the, the caffeine break or feeling like I need a nap in the middle of the day or that four o'clock slump that you get. Um, it, it really, it really helps. Um, there's a book called um, The Joy of Movement by Kelly McGonigal. Um, and she writes about these things called um, hope molecules, which uh, she calls, uh, they're actually known as myokines. And they preserve the dopamine neurons and they reduce inflammation in our brains. Um, and what she says about it, she says, regular exercise has been shown to release these hope molecules, meaning that hope can literally begin in our muscles. Physical activity influences many other brain chemicals, including those that give you energy, alleviate worry, and help you bond with others. I love that. And you know, I think a part of me may feel guilty if I disrupt my workflow, you know, to take a 10 minute break, but actually what I'm doing is extending my productivity and my, my ability to focus. And it's really helpful to reframe that, knowing that kind of the way that the brain functions caters to getting a little movement into every hour kind of on a cycle that's really it's it's you know what this is it's just helping helping me or maybe even all of us understand how we work how the human body works and how we can work at our at our best yeah a lot of people have that kind of fear when when i suggest um you know taking regular breaks they say oh but i'm you know but i'm in a groove and i, I don't want to i don't want to lose it um, but it actually, it, yeah, like you said, it actually encourages, um, a longer, a longer ability to stay in the, in the, you know, in the creative process. Um, and, and is that app, is that app that you that you mentioned, is that just like a timer, just like that's on your iPhone? Anybody has that? Um, the one I use is called brain focus. Okay. And so you can set it for whatever times you want. You can, you know, for whatever length of work time versus break time, and it will just continue throughout, you know, you don't have to keep setting it. You know, it's, it's a little bit more sophisticated than just the regular timer on your phone. Okay. And then you also mentioned sleep and, and, and what I, what I hear too, that's really helpful is that you're adding structure, which feels like a big support. Like everything that you're offering, there's a very clear structure to it, which I, I, I respond really well to. And it feels like, um, it, it's kind of almost like someone's there saying, hey, don't forget to like be good to yourself every 48 minutes or mm -hmm. be mindful of what feels good so that you can, um, you can, bring the best part of yourself to 
what your work is or what you're what you're what you're doing that day, who you're collaborating with. I think sometimes um, if we're overtired or we're weighed down by something else, we can't always access our own creativity. So I think this is also really, really geared towards creatives. Really Absolutely. Super. Tell us about how you also include structure in your sleep. Yeah. So sleep is so vitally important. Um, you know, sleep is the, is the time when our body gets to detoxify and get rid of all the toxins that have accumulated during the day. Um, it's the time, it's the only time we heal, you know, our immune system is working really hard. And so getting good quality sleep is really, really important for our, just for our overall health, our, for our energy, for our creativity, our productivity. Um, so ways that I like to encourage good sleep and better sleep um, are consistency. Like you said, you know, our bodies our bodies like being on a structure on a certain um, schedule. It, it works better that way. And so when we have consistent um, wake times and consistent bedtimes, the body just naturally, it will, it will uh, naturally fall asleep better. It will naturally have better sleep when we have a regular schedule that will help it to produce the hormones that it needs to produce because it will know, it will get the signals like, oh, it's almost time, almost time to sleep. So it starts producing those sleep hormones that we need. Um, so setting a, a regular cycle for yourself to sleep. I mean, um, something that I have just started practicing that works remarkably well is I, um, downloaded this app called calm.com. Have you heard of that? Mm, the meditation okay, so, app? Yeah. So, mm -hmm. so they have some meditations that are geared to help you sleep. And what they are in a, in a way is more breathing exercises, um, more kind of meditation exercises, but to really slow everything way down. And like, if, if I'm like, you or like a lot of people we're kind of revved up and our brain's been going and we've got a you know we've been working really hard and it takes a little while to kind of like slow down so that we can start detoxing not just physically but emotionally and we're processing all kinds of things that happened that day or we're worried about or so that's another time to start practicing um breathing exercises you know or going some some people take an inventory through their body and tell every part of their body to relax there's all kinds of different techniques but i'll throw up that um i'll throw up that uh app in case it's helpful to people yeah um, yeah that's great just it, um like you said getting you know, getting the body to know okay it's time for sleep oh, um so doing that you know keeping your bedroom really dark um, uh, not eating too close to bedtime. Uh, another really helpful thing is just limiting your screen time, um, your, the computer time or television, just that, that blue light that we get is really disruptive to our sleep. Um, so wearing blue blocker glasses, if you can't reduce your screen time before bed, um, but these are things that, you know, help give the signal to the body that it's time to wind down. I like to think of it too, as, you know, a lot of times, most of us, um, 
wake up in the morning and we hit snooze several times, right? We're giving ourselves uh, time to wake up. Well, we could do that at night. We need the same thing at night. Give yourself time. Don't be, don't be working up to the second that you want to go to bed because it's just, it's just not going to work. It's, it's the same thing as, as in the morning. So you need some time. You need that wind down time. Yeah. Well, these are all so, so helpful. And, and Debbie, if you think of anything else, um, that you've used or that you practice personally that just just made a huge huge difference that you didn't mention in this section save it because we'll come back to it in the q a but i just wanted to get to um michelle and michelle colt um be, you began as an actor but you've now become a coach if, if i'm correct um and you've studied various techniques from drawing from neuroscience all the way to mysticism, um, a bunch of philosophies that help people of all backgrounds and all ages transition from working from a kind of survival behavior stemming from anxiety and instinct into groundedness and calm. And one of the most powerful things that you described to me was understanding the difference between um, acting or thinking reactively versus having a, a, a response to something. Um, and I wondered if you could help us understand the difference and what's actually the most helpful to us. My pleasure, my pleasure. Thank, uh, you. thank you so much for having me. I'm sorry for my delay. It was a lot of drama in my no neighborhood, problem. the internet went down. I had to run to a friend's who's an actor, as you can see by the blue screen behind Perfect. me. You look gorgeous. <laughs> I had to apply my tools today. Yes, absolutely. So basically, yeah, it's really fascinating because the reason why so many of us are coming from a place of reacting rather than responding is that the mind and the ego is very much usually not present. Mm. And when we are reacting, we're literally not in the present moment. One of the fun things I like to say about the mind is the mind is usually lamenting about the past, regurgitating that onto the present moment and projecting it off into the future. Another thing that you touched upon is this whole idea of survival. So what I always talk about is how what's happening in terms of the way we experience reality, thoughts, memories, emotions, associations, perceptions, body sensations, what we have been told and what we have seen, all of that is being generated from survival, from survival. And one of the first techniques I wanna throw out there as a really wonderful technique for everyone to practice right now and all the time actually in your lives when you start to feel contracted and stressed is letting your bellies relax. Not always easy, but quite beautiful because basically the place you want to be relating to yourself from and others is your heart. Your heart is where your intuition is, your knowing. And actually the heart is the portal into all of your beautiful talents, whatever they may be. And as soon as you begin to let your belly relax, you begin to become present. 
And when you're able to be present, you're a lot more likely to respond rather than react. And, you know, since the beginning of this year, so many people's survival mechanisms have been just, we've been feeling like chickens without heads, running back and forth with emotions, body sensations, really awful thoughts. And the moment we have a very simple, easy technique to become present, we literally start to experience our reality from a much more grounded place. And just to unpack that a little bit, um, when you talk about reacting, what I what I what I understand that to be is acting out from a place that may be irrational, that may be purely emotionally based, that may be triggered by a past trauma, that may not be um, kind of present or accepting of of the elements that are that are actually right right there before us versus responding which demands a kind of presence or what is now I, I there's a term that's that's a that's powerful and wonderful it's radical acceptance but it's kind of radical acceptance of the self of where you are of the elements that are at play but you have to really it really demands a kind of tuned in quality to your um, to your way of of exchange with a person or a place. Um, and I just wanted to make sure that that was spelled out for people, um, yeah. the difference and how that might, how that could um, impact the quality of our work and the quality of our communication and the quality of how we behave towards ourselves and towards others. Yeah, love it. Cause I'm gonna get super specific right now. When we are in a place where we are reacting we're being driven from fear. Mm -hmm. When we are in a place where we are more grounded, we are coming from a place of possibility. We are coming more from a place of beginner's mind. Mm -hmm. And that's a very, very sweet place to create from and also to live our lives from. And that's for why people that, I, I just want to make sure people understand that reference. Beginner's mind is a Zen term that was made famous by a, a book by Suzuki called Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind. It's, it's, a, it's a very well-known book. I'm, a lot of people probably know about it, but I just wanted to acknowledge that reference. Thank you. Yes. So, you know, it's really looking at when we're able to be present and in that beginner's mind aspect, possibilities are great. When we're coming at something with a lot of concepts and a lot of fear and a lot of control, the possibilities become extremely limited and they're all being driven from a place of fear. So having that ability, and it's going to be different for each person to really understand that being present is the way to go. Another thing I want to throw out there, because I definitely wanted to teach a couple of different techniques today, is this is a beautiful technique. It's out of the East. It's thousands of years old and you can use it for situations. You can use it for emotion. And you can also use it for unpleasant thoughts. Mm. And the technique is simply saying to the situation, the emotion or the thought, temporary. Mm. Everything in the universe is temporary. The situation we're in right now is temporary. It will change and it will come to pass at some point. 
The interesting thing too that I wanted to mention also today is this aspect of so many people being so hard on themselves because of the way the thinking has been since March and the emotions and all of that. I'm here to share something very special with everyone. You don't choose the thoughts and the emotions that pass through. Your thoughts and emotions are happening as spontaneously as your hair is growing, your heart is beating, and your digestion is doing what it does. So to feel bad about yourself in any way, shape, or form for the way you initially react emotionally or thinking-wise is completely unhelpful. Now, what you do with the thought, if you energize it, or have a way of just letting it pass by, yes, that's something that is within, I'll use the word here, control. Same is true when a very uncomfortable emotion overcomes us. Um, so that's, that's really helpful. What are some other ways that people can um, stay grounded or, or present in a, in a, as a means to access like inner strength and resilience? All right, let's do this. So as right now, as I'm speaking, I want to invite everyone watching to begin to notice the space around you. The space being the space between you and the walls, between you and the furniture. And as you're noticing the space right now, I want to invite you to see the space as a connector. Quantum physicists talk about this, the aspect that the space is connecting everything. I do also want to recommend that you let your bellies relax while you're doing this. Just noticing the space. And just notice how doing that with a relaxed belly, if possible, is affecting your mind, your body, and your spirit. This is a technique that I've been teaching for probably about 13 years. And honestly, it's one of the techniques that I teach that I get the most feedback around. Mm. People say to me, Michelle, why does that work so well? So I thought long and hard about that. And the conclusion that I've come up with is that it relaxes us so deeply because the thing there is the most of in the universe is space. Mm. Mm -hmm. Now, I will say that it's very, very important to always see it as a connector mm -hmm. because for a small group of individuals, when they first start playing with noticing the space, it can bring up a little bit of angst. Mm. But as soon as those clients saw it as a connector, it changed the whole experience for them. You know, um, I've, I've worked through something similar to what you're describing in um, uh, a session with e uh, called EMDR. And sure. um, it, it, it was um, this really powerful session where something, I did bring up something traumatic um, and the person kind of had to talk me down by connecting me to the space with like, what do you see? What's on the shelf? Mm -hmm. What's what color is the sofa, you know, what color is the wall, da, 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 da. And it just immediately grounds you, it just like immediately brings you back into the present. So it can be really powerful. Thank Absolutely. you so much. Um, I wanna make sure we have time for uh, Q and A. So I'm gonna turn it over to Chris who can um, help us channel some of those questions to our guests. Sure, thank you, Isabel. And thank you, panelists. I have a 
really good one here around boundary setting. Um, for example, we're talking about making changes to our our day to day. How do we set those boundaries at work? So we're taking a 10 minute walk every hour or we're not chained to our desk at lunchtime or it, and say the whole rest of your crew is doing that, but you, you don't wanna do that. Um, how can you take these steps for yourself in a guilt-free way? Debbie, do you wanna jump in since that was your suggestion, your, one of your practices? Uh, yeah. Yeah, this, this can be difficult, um, definitely. I know there's, there's a lot of environments, work environments that uh, don't encourage these things. Um, and so that can be difficult, um, but they can't stop you from, you know, eating, you know, even if you have to eat on your couch or something like away from your desk, you can, you can do that. Um, another thing I like to do is just invite people with you, you know, invite your coworkers to come with you and, and make it, make it sort of a thing. Like a, a, a lot of times the most successful places that I've been in have been the ones where we've all eaten lunch together and it, it makes a real difference just in the whole work day and in your environment. Um, so to kind of invite people with you, it's harder for them to say, oh, you can't do that um, if, if you're inviting them to come with you. Um, and if, if that's not possible, you know, you can, like I said, you can, you can literally just eat at your couch or eat away from, you can take 10 minutes, 15 minutes to, to eat somewhere that's not in front of your desk. And, and um, the other thing, you can do is just take, take little, um, like sometimes I just do jumping jacks at my desk and you know, if, if, um, if I feel like I can't get out or something and just take a walk around your room or, you know, even, even if you have to do it, like sometimes I make little rules for myself. Like, and when I go to the bathroom, do 10 squats and, you know, five push-ups or something, um, you can kind of find little ways to sneak it in. Um, but I do like to, try to encourage others to join in with you because it, it makes it easier and it makes the work environment a lot better. I, I love the idea of uh, trying to, to build in a little human exchange as part of the break too. I think there's something chemically that helps us there. Um, Chris, I'm sure we have some more questions. Sure. Um, and how, what are some good ways to balance staying informed of current events while protecting your mental health? Ah. Woo! <laughs> I can speak to that. That okay, great. Go for it. So I talked about this when I did a workshop for SAG-AFTRA about a month and a half ago. This is a tricky one. Um, you know, I really loved what uh, Lillian was talking about when I was able to come on, and this idea of not postponing joy because of the mind's survival mechanism. Its tendency is to worry a lot and that kind of thing. And a lot of times when I'm trying to discipline myself, like I'll get on Instagram to just look at something that I've posted around my work or Facebook, and then I'll just start doing this on my phone. And it's addictive. And it's coming from that place of the nervous system and the mind wanting to like be able to handle whatever shitty thing is going to happen. Okay. So I think limiting time watching the news on social media is really, really helpful and then replacing it with something you really love to do. 
you know, setting up, maybe checking in in the morning and at night or just once a day. And then when you would be perpetuating the negativity in whatever way you would do something that brings you joy, mm -hmm. even sitting down and doing a breathing technique, whatever that is, and, and be very gentle with yourself around this because that survival net mechanism in terms of the ego and the mind, this is gonna sound a little funny, but I mean it in a very clear way also, it kind of gets off on that negativity, like the negativity and people doing political posts and all of that. It pisses us off and it upsets us, but it, it, it puts that survival kind of mechanism into high drive. And somehow in the mind and the ego, and it sounds so funny in a way, but somehow the mind and the ego perceives that I will survive better if I engage in this craziness. When of mm -hmm. course the opposite is true. And it just makes us very reactive. Yeah. Well, uh, and uh, Debbie, I almost think that it would fit into kind of the scheduling techniques that you've described of maybe just scheduling, checking headlines, like every six hours, or like, I'm going to do that at four and eight, but not every 10 minutes. Cause it can, it can be like sticking your finger into an electric sock and you're kind of overwhelmed very easily by it. Yeah, exactly. And, and also bringing just awareness to it, bringing awareness around what it's doing to your mind, what it's doing in your body. Are you aware when you're, when you start to feel anxious, you know, if you turn on the news and you get that feeling in your stomach that butterflies in your stomach or your your chest clenches um you know being aware of that and recognizing those signs and say okay maybe this maybe this isn't serving me right now um you know just being aware of it that's a lot of times i think it becomes so we're on autopilot it just becomes so automatic we don't even notice how, the effect that it's having on us so to become aware of it. And, and the other thing I like to do is, is to curate my news, my, my resources, you know, really curate, go to, go to the people that, that give you in-depth reporting, that give you more than just the headlines, that give you something, you know, something to ground onto, something, something that it has more substance to it that yeah. give you other options. There's, there are, you know, there are positive things happening out there, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. unfortunately it's not on the, the nightly news, but, um, but there are resources out there that report that. So that's another thing that I really like to do is to really curate the information you take in. And Lillian is, is offering some really wonderful comments in the, um, in the chat. Lillian, would you mind sharing those verbally just so we, we're sure everybody hears those, what you're sharing on the chat? about sure. i was just there are settings in both iphone and droids where you can lock um any apps that you choose so whether that's your cnn app or your instagram app um, and anything in between um, you can set it to lock for certain periods of time um, so you can you know say if you don't want to be looking at it first thing in the morning before you're even out of bed you can set that so that's a good um, method um, and something that I, that's been helpful is to schedule it. So, you know, I just wrote, set a timer, sit down, make yourself a drink, have that time that you have with it. Um, and then be sure to have some kind of transitioning information. So, um, the last five minutes you can look up, you know, good news stories, which are out there. Um, 
and or you know just transition with something you know um pictures of you know your cousin's new baby or something like that so that you have a transition piece just want to throw one quick thing in in terms of what debbie was saying awareness is everything i oftentimes talk about how you cannot sabotage yourself from a place of conscious awareness so bringing awareness to every aspect of everything we're talking about today is going to lead you down a path, most likely to a better sense of well-being. That's great. Yeah, it takes discipline. All those monks are really hard at work when they're meditating all the time. Um, Chris, do we have other questions? Yes, this is our last one, and I'll just plug our next episode before I read it. Our next post break will be on uh, October 29th. And it will be lessons learned around the collaboration between production and post when COVID hit. Mm. So how did that all change right when, when COVID came around? And, and what have we learned since then? And for well, our we're going to talk question, about COVID compliance officers. Yeah, and we'll be doing that later in the year, too. We'll have okay. a strictly COVID one in December. Um, so our last question, kind of a double question but but take any part of it you'd like what are some things we can do when we have trouble sleeping like if we wake up in the middle of the night and similarly how can we deal with getting tired post lunch um lillian or debbie maybe do you have uh some suggestions there i mean the basics of when people suffer from sleep disruption is to kind of take away the fear and anxiety that often just piles up if you can't sleep. Um, and going, you know, telling yourself that even when you're resting, when your body is resting, um, you are getting benefits, restorative benefits. Yes, sleeping and the REM cycle and all of that is so vital, um, but you will be okay. You are, you are resting to a certain degree um, you know, in those times, even when you're awake. Um, and so taking the, the kind of fear away from it um, is kind of crucial to know what to do um, in those situations. But having a strong sleep routine, which, um, you know, you can look up and research um, is really important. And knowing that not everybody sleeps great, everybody, you know, people are in different places with it. So taking those expectations off um, can be helpful. Um, and Debbie might be able to do the, the post-lunch um, drowsiness since I'm a, in, probably the biggest victim of that. So I'm not going to speak to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I can speak to that a little bit. I, it goes back to really what I was talking about mindful eating. Um, most often when we're, when we're drowsy after lunch, it probably has something to do with what we've eaten um and it's you know naturally the you know the body gets tired after after eating um but when we're eating something that it it doesn't want to process or that we're you know it's or or we're having a sugar crash if we didn't eat something very healthy um it's you know it's naturally going to make us tired so going back to um trying to eat mindfully and slowing down and, and you will start to recognize the things that agree with your body. And, and if you can, I mean, even just writing down maybe what you were eating 
on days when you get really tired, that could help you kind of make the connection there of what works for you and what doesn't, what's making you tired, what, what is getting you through. Um, um, the other thing I like to do when I get, you know, just in the, in the moment when you're tired and you, you know, you can't change what you ate, um, go for a walk, move the body, get the blood flowing. Cause that's, what's happening too, is, you know, you're being too still, um, and maybe your eyes are getting tired from being at the computer for too long. Um, so that can help just to move the body around. Um, if you have, I actually really like doing um, headstands um, when I'm tired during the day, cause that really just gets the body, uh, get the, gets the blood flowing um, and really can, can sort of give you that little lift of energy during the day. I've heard Mira Nair does that on set occasionally uh. <laughs> <laughs> along with yoga first thing in the morning for the whole every all the crew um i think we're out of time is that right chris do we need to move on to our breakout rooms if that's if people are interested that's right thank you isabel thank you so much panelists thank you everybody thank, thank you. you so much uh to all of our guests debbie and lillian and michelle and tenu for producing this um i'm glad we had this chance to kind of jump off just pure technical and, you know, post-production oriented and kind of work on the inner creative self, which is, which needs to be nourished as well. Um, and also recognize that there's a lot of support for us out there.